that time of the week again. You are about to participate in a great adventure. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop? What the hell do you think you're doing? It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris. Oh my God! As they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. I wouldn't do that if I were you. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. That's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. As well as the music of today. Excuse me while I whip this out. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Who are those guys? Digital Kill the Radio Star starts Come on, quit stalling! All right, everybody, we are finally back from a brief hiatus. It's uh, your old friend David here with Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast and the other part of this show, Mr. Chris Craig. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, how about you? I am great. I cannot complain. Um, we apologize for taking so long in between our Ace Von Johnson interview, which went over really well with people and down, good download numbers and everybody seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, it was a good interview. I mean, really, uh, I mean, I enjoyed it because of the talking, just talking music with him. That's what we like to do the most. But, yeah, it, it is just, it's, it's cool that when we do this, it seems like every time we have somebody on, they're always, uh, they're always so nice. And I guess it shouldn't be too surprising because if you're willing to come on, you're actually thinking about it. You're almost kind of doing us a favor when you come on. So there probably shows right there that they are good people. And, uh, Ace didn't let us down. Nice guy. No, he didn't. Really nice guy. So as as we record this on June the 30th, it's the exact halfway point in the year. And uh, I got to say, there's a lot of good music's been released in the first six months. Man, you're not kidding. I, uh, you know, we, we talked about this a lot, you know, back when we were in lockdown of uh, 2020, which, man, it seems like forever ago, but, uh, and we talked about, you know, all these bands that had to come off the road and maybe we're going to go start getting music sooner than we ordinarily would from bands. And uh, I, I just expected this overflow of music. And I know you did, too. And at least for me, that didn't really happen. And it was weird last last year, 2021. I, I feel like the last half of the, the year uh, started being a lot of good releases started coming out. But the first half. I struggled. I know you didn't, but I, I probably had in the first half two or three albums that I would consider putting. Well, maybe that at least probably no more than three albums I'd consider putting in a top ten. And now, I could make a top ten. So that that shows you how this year's going for me. Yeah, a lot of music coming out, and people kind of finding ways to tie that in with their tours and stuff like that. Everybody's trying to make a buck because they didn't make any for a couple of years, which 
driving up ticket prices and stuff like that, but uh, that's okay. We T-shirt do. prices too, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. Some of these, uh, you know, it's. I guess it's, it is a little bit aggravating when you see, like, a, you, know, you and I aren't going to the show, but we've seen, we've seen from other people that the uh, stadium tour, Motley Crue, Death Leopard, Leopard Poison, Joan Jett, and these guys are selling T-shirts for 50 bucks. And it's like, a, okay, I realize you didn't really toured much, but maybe show some people that hadn't made money either. Show them a little break when you got it. But but on the flip side, when you go see the band play into 100 people or less, don't bitch about paying 30 bucks for a T-shirt. I mean, they need it. Right. Yeah, the Crows had a T-shirt for $60. What? Uh, Did it have gold trim on it? It was a tie-dye, which, I mean, I, I guess obviously is takes more more time to make but yeah i was like yeah i'm gonna pass i've got enough black crow shirts yeah i uh and i've i've been to a ton of concerts in the last couple of months i think like nine um saw the drive-by truckers four nights in a row saw jerry cantrell saw megadeth i saw the war on drugs saw the black crows about to go see jack white um i know i'm missing some but uh Definitely blowing the concert budget out of the water. And I haven't had that. You know, there hasn't been, of course, I haven't really been traveling. I, I, we, you know, I tried to go to <laughs> to see the Airborne Toxic event, one of my favorite bands, period. And I'd never been able to see them. Flew to Chicago and walking up to that marquee and seeing the sign postponed. And that's because somebody in the Airborne camp got COVID. So, uh, you know, I know traveling for shows, it's risky these days, but thank God when I, I did see the, the, uh, the Afghan wigs and that was the fourth, that was the fourth show of the tour. So I knew it was like, all right, I think I'm going to be good on this one. And that was, you know, we paid for the, um, and that was, that was a great show. There wasn't an opening act and it was, uh, we got the VIP package, which was, man, that, that was a great value. 132 bucks. You got the ticket. And you got a signed poster by the band, T-shirt, tote bag, little uh, VIP laminate. And then you got uh, a few songs in sound check. And you got to sit for about 30, 45 minutes with Greg Dooley. It was just Q&A. And that was cool. And uh, it was cool seeing Christopher Thorne, you know, from Blind Melon, playing guitar with him now. Did you talk you know, to him? I didn't, didn't. He didn't come out at all. I mean, none of the band was really out, just Greg Dooley. But it's it's really cool because uh, I mean anybody really listens to Afghan Wigs knows that Chris Christopher Thorne has been heavily involved in the past now three Afghan Wigs records and Dooley solo so to finally get in you know that was uh yeah he's he's a good fit into the band and then um I mean I've got upcoming shows uh, we were talking about this right before we got started I'm I'm going to see Judas Priest for the first time I'm going to see them in uh, November and then. One of my one of my good buddies moved recently to Santa Fe, and it's about thirty minutes from Albuquerque. So I'm flying out, flying to Albuquerque, and really it's an excuse to go to Albuquerque, hang out, hang out with a buddy. But I'm going to see uh, Testament and Exodus, so and Death Angel, so go see a good old fashioned thrash show. Looking forward to that one. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> hey man, come on you you like you like Megadeth? I mean it's it's all thrash. I sat through In Flames, Trivium, and Lamb of God to hear Megadeth play 10 songs. 
different kinds of bands though. You know, oh. these are just pure thrash bands. And I'll tell you this, David, if you now they're, they're not, they're not my favorites or anything, but I, uh, especially the, there's a few records in particular. I, I really think you would enjoy Testament. Um, they're, they're comparable as far as uh, heaviness and style, especially the, uh, early nineties, I'd say style wise, like Metallica. And I think that, uh, Alex Skolnick is the best thrash player there is. That's what a lot of people say. Yeah, he's incredible. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I know you'll never be able to accept Exodus, and that's okay. So what are some of these albums you've been listening to that are so good? Well, there's been a lot for me. Yeah, and um, the I'll just go with three of the more recent ones that that I've been listening to. And the first one came out well two of these well no one so one came out this past friday and uh this is this is your time to start grinning ear to ear talking because of the random stuff that i'll pull up pull up but uh it's a band out of out of uh glasgow scotland glasgow scotland and when i say band i use that term loosely because it's pretty much one guy and um so i'm gonna do my best at pronouncing this it's Sayer, Sayer, it's uh, spelled S-A-O-R, and um, this is the, supposedly the word means free and unconstrained, and uh, and it's uh, this is a uh, how can I describe? Uh, it's atmospheric. It's a lot of black metal elements and a lot of folky stuff. Uh, has the that Viking metal sound as well. Um, you know, for the, uh, once, once Bathory kind of paved the way for, for Viking metal, you can definitely hear the influences there, but, uh, super, super cool record. Uh, I think there's only six songs on it, long songs. Some of it, I think you might would like David, because there's some of it doesn't have, doesn't even have any vocals. And I think you'd appreciate the music because it's very cool sounding. Um, another one for me is, uh, four and the strange band. And that's uh, Hank Williams the Fourth. So as I say, son of a son of a son of a son. Um, he always calls himself son of son of sin because he was born out of wedlock. And uh, he doesn't use oddly he doesn't use Hank. He doesn't go by that. He just goes by four. And I, I think it's his way of you know he's not running from the his uh, legacy, but um, but also not running away from it either. He's not he's not explo- he's not exploiting it. But this is uh, this new this this is his first record. The guy got started really late in music, and I don't think he got started until about thirty years old. And he said he just there's no money in it, and he had to get things you know, get his life off, I guess, make or try to make a living first. And he signed to Shooter Jennings' label, Black Country Rock, and I believe Shooter produced it as well. But this is a uh, this is just a good blend of uh, punk, metal, country. Uh, definitely as Hank three would call it hellbilly it's really all over the place and if that's I know that'd be some criticism people would would give it because it's just there's there's no consistency but I like it I think it's got some really good songs the opening song train just I mean really just a straight up Americana song a stand your ground the best track son of son of sin uh, drinking sad which a uh, great country song name uh, kind of sounds like something a uh, current country artist Dale Watson would play but uh yeah it's, there's a lot of 
lot of diversity on this record. And uh, the last one, I'll tell you, it's going to be hard for this not to be my album of the year because it's, it's maybe the best thing I've heard in the past couple of years. Anybody that's listened to us knows that uh, I'm a fan of the band Astronoid. And uh, we've had we've had Casey on, Casey Aylward from, he's one of the guitarists in the band. And the first album that they put out back when I was really talking about them, we had Casey on. I I really liked the record. The, the second one I thought was good. And then this third one, man, they everything came together. And uh, it's, it's they're one of those bands that even though they're making good records, it took them a while to really, truly, truly find their sound. And man, they found it on this one. This is uh, just a great blend of a very dreamy shoegaze, a very, very smooth, clean, dreamy vocals uh, with just incredible musicianship, riffs, uh, some black metal elements, some blast beats in there, uh, hints of emo. It's just, it's really, it's pretty metal. I guess you would call it that way. And, um, the, the guitar playing between Casey and Brett Boland, who also handles the vocals. It's just masterful playing. And I, I could tell you what songs to listen to, but listen to the whole record. But if you, if you really want to get started, I, I think the first track admin, then sleep whisper, sleep whisper. I've forgotten your face, human decades, all just incredible songs. This, like I said, amazing record if you want to try something different don't be scared when i say black metal it's not going to sound like emperor it's not even in the same it's not going to even sound like death heaven it's uh it's a cool record if you can appreciate shoegaze if you like dreamy selling music uh, uh, you you may dig this one i need to listen what about to you? it um well the first album that grabbed my attention was lucifer on the sofa by um spoon um the song wild on there i heard it i think on Sirius XM, I'm like, wow, this is really good. And uh, went and bought the album. It's really good. The uh, new Red Hot Chili Peppers is, it's a double album. If they made it a single album, it would be excellent. But it's really, really good. Some just great textures in there. Uh, the first single, uh, Black Summer is good. Aquatic Mouthpiece is really good. So I like that. Uh, the new Drive-By Truckers record has really grown on me. The Diehards think it's one of their two or three best. Uh, it took a while to grow on me. They played the whole album at some point during those four shows that I saw. And then a new band that I discovered, they're on Fat Possum Records, but they're from Chicago. They're an indie band called Dead, D-E-H-D. They are really good. They have a, I've uh, heard of them. Yeah, they're good. The song Bad Love is kind of the, the, the single it's out now they're out of chicago like i said uh fronted by a female and then through them i discovered another band called flasher which are kind of in the same mold they have a female and male that's in male that sing it's uh indie alternative type stuff um but the dead album is 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 the best one of the two and then um a band i got turned on by the guy at the record store called spiritualized they're out of england and they're like part folk, part shoegaze, part um, alternative. They have a new album. I think it's really just one guy that's kind of spearheads of that. But I'd never heard of them. Then I got to reading. Apparently in 1997, NME voted them album of the year over OK Computer. What's their name? Spiritualized. 
Okay, because you, you know that I, I really have an appreciation for for uh, shoegaze. Yeah, um, the, they have like five or six. They're also on Fat Possum Records. Fat Possum's branching out and getting a lot of these uh, alternative bands. But yeah, they're good. You would really like this Dead D E H D. Um, and let's see. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I'm liking that new Megadeth single. We'll be oh back. man, that's that's amazing. I mean that. I told you that song as, as much as we liked that last record. This uh, this new song, where I think would e- if it was on that record, it'd easily be in the top three tracks. It's man, that's a good song. He finally replaced Marty Friedman. Yeah, um, yeah, no, Kiko's amazing. Yeah, they were great live. They just only played ten songs, and one of them was an instrumental. Uh, <laughs> but well, yeah. I heard that. Oh, go ahead. Mm-mm, go ahead. I was like, I, I, I've heard great things about that drive-by truckers, and you know how I feel about them. I don't dislike them at all. There, there's there's no hate for them. I just don't ever get super into them. But as, as many good things as I've heard, I do need to check that one out. Tell you what, man, that four four shows, four nights in a row with the forty watt, it took some stamina. Um, I bet. But they, um, man, they just deliver a loud rock and roll show, and they. Some nights didn't get done to like one one thirty in the morning. Um, I would highly recommend if you're a fan of them because they do it every year, and uh, it's four nights in a row at the forty watt. Uh, it raises money for a great charity. They have an auction uh, on Saturday afternoon, and like me and Patterson Hood had barbecue. We're standing in line at the barbecue uh, um, truck together, but it's a lot of fun, and they have a different opener every night. Cracker, essentially, Cracker minus Johnny Hickman open Saturday night. And since he didn't really have a second guitar player, I guess he full-time has a pedal steel player. So they way, way leaned on the country, their countryside. Um, and then the other band, they had a comedian open one night, and it, it was just a lot of fun. Of course, you know, the 40-watt is legendary place. Yeah. Um, hey, did Cracker play Can I Take My Gun to Heaven? No. Uh, they played a lot of stuff off the last couple of albums. Um, they did play low, but then other than that, it was pretty, pretty, they played a lot of songs off that Bakersfield or what's it called? That double album they released. It had, uh, King of Bakersfield and Almond Grove on it. It was, it was one album was like, kind of like alternative. The other album was country, but David Lowry sounded great. He lives there in Athens, but yeah, went to, uh, Wuck Street Records, which is, the place where um, Peter Buck and Michael Stipe met, and uh, there's a bunch of re like a bunch of REM places you can go and see. Like I saw what le- is left of the steeple of the church, which is the first place they ever played. Saw the train trestle, uh, you know stuff like that. It's just Open really back cool. of murmur. Yeah, That's yeah, cool. it's partially torn down, but yeah, and you know they all of them still have a house there. Did you see that? Uh... They're doing that that anniversary of uh, Chronic Town. Yeah, I saw they're releasing on like a CD and a cassette, no vinyl. Yeah, the thing that's unfortunate about it to me is, you know, every time they they do these uh, these anniversaries, they have all these extras on it, whether it's different takes, live takes, whatever. Man, I don't have any of them, and it's like Chronic Town has just always gotten the shaft. You know, it, they. When they finally really released it to where everybody could get their hands on it, it was five songs on a compilation album, the last yeah. five songs. So it's never really gotten its proper due. And uh, in a way, it is this time, but in a way, it's still not. 
because it's not there's no real new material. I mean, the only thing that's really cool out of this, you can get some cool merch. You know, they've got a really cool looking hoodie. They've got uh, a uh, enamel pin with the gargoyle on it, which I definitely got to get that. Uh, so there's some cool merch. Uh, that's really the only thing I could say about it. But Have you ever been okay. to Athens? I haven't. It's my favorite college town now. Absolutely that's, unreal. It has, to go. And it has so much cool music history. The downtown area is huge with all these. It's a bar like every other place is a bar. And I went and saw a bunch of widespread panic landmarks and then, uh, you know, read up on the band's Love Tractor and Pylon. I didn't realize that song Crazy was a cover. It's on Dead Letter Office. I knew it was. That's originally a Pylon. Um, I knew it was. I didn't know anything about the original. But when I tell you what was funny, um, one of my professors, he went to school there and I messaged him and I was like, Hey, where should I go eat? And he's like, Mellow Mushroom. And I'm like, and this guy's a big foodie like me. And I'm like, Mellow Mushroom? Like, those are everywhere. And he's like, no, you need to go to Mellow Mushroom. He said, it's the original one. It's downtown. And apparently, like, Michael Stipe comes and hangs out and eats there. Uh, but I didn't see Michael Stipe when I was there. But, yeah, <laughs> maybe you can get over there for a show, depending if they, have, especially if they have somebody opening that you really like. like yeah. I, I, no, could, I, I could see them having Sunvolt or something open. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of there, there's plenty of bands, um, and they played. Yeah. I I think I sent you that Bruce Springsteen song. Uh, that has got Abel in the name. Cain. Adam raised the Cain. Adam raised the Cain. Yeah. Patterson Hood is like a and then he's a huge Springsteen fan, and he's a huge Darkness on the Edge of Town fan, and that that's my favorite Springsteen record too. Um, yeah the. Yeah, one a couple other things I'm thinking about it. You know, there's a the the uh, they did American Aquarium did release their new one too, and it's very it's very laid back. It's uh it's not what I'd call a rock and roll record, and it's uh, the most country sounding record they've ever done. But um, I think BJ, who's never been shy about getting things off his chest, it's probably some of the heaviest material. Because the opening track, uh, Chicken Macomico, it's about, uh, it, it apparently is, is, and he's never really talked about this before, but apparently uh, his wife had a miscarriage, and uh, that, that's a pretty rough song. And then um, the other one, it's, uh, God, I'm trying to, let me look at the name of it, it's slipping my mind right now, but the, it's a, the song is about his mother. It's called The First Year, I believe. Yeah, The First Year. And it's, as it sounds, it's the first year without his mom. And he's going through all these different mild, these different parts of the year without her. It's 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 a it's a pretty tough song, I imagine, especially for those that have lost their mothers. But uh, that and a, another really good one, and, I, and I'd recommend this one to you, David. Um, we haven't talked about this, but there's this Scottish band. They're called Rest. W R E S T. They put out a new record. It's called End All. End All the Days. And they're a very, um, I guess you could call them like an indie type, real, real heavy uh, singer songwriter type band. And uh, I just love, love, love uh, the Scottish accent in music. And that that's a uh, that's up there on my list of uh, top albums of the year so far for sure. What are they called? Rest. W R E S T. They're, uh, it's a great, great album. Uh, I, I would highly recommend that one. Are you getting the new album from Heat? 
<laughs> uh, I think my laughter probably just uh, gave you my answer. You're not getting do the have, you're not getting the deluxe box. Do they have a, Do they have a new one? And I hear they're going to reissue that Storm CD. <laughs> Can't wait to not get that. Yeah, I'll quote Liam Gallagher. I don't have to hear it to know I'm not going to like it. Oh yeah, hey, uh, I've been talking about this. Um, Sonny, I know, drops into our podcast every now and then. Sonny, let us know if you like uh, Danger, Danger, Naughty, Naughty. I want to know. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> we talked about that. <laughs> Danger. I had that. What was the second one? Had the ape on the front with the woman. Screw it. <laughs> yeah, I had that. Uh, I liked that song, Monkey Business. You know, I, I know that they, they I think, got a little bit more edge on that one. But um, the reason I bring up that Naughty, Naughty is... I sent that to the, the we were, I was driving to work one morning and I had it on hair nation and that song came on and hadn't heard it in years. And I was like, my God, the lyrics of this song. I mean, Heat would be embarrassed. <laughs> well, I take that back. They did write rock your body. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Forget what I said. <laughs> and then they have that song, uh, bang, bang. Yeah, I used to love that one when I was a kid. It's, it's that's one of those ones that it falls into that um, that slaughter firehouse camp. You know, uh, the stuff that I just couldn't stop listening to when I was a kid, and now I can't take it. And you and I've talked about this a lot. There's a lot of those old hair bands that we grew up listening to that we can't listen to, and, and the ones that you know, the the ones for me, for the most part, that I still like are the ones that had a little bit more edge and little bit more street to them like uh like faster pussycat ellie guns motley crew those type and uh and then of course striper is just still killing it with their with theirs they're supposed to have a new one coming out yeah, and yeah. that's another thing there's a lot of good new music yet to come because you're talking we you, you talked about the metal the i mean the megadeth song i was about to say malika metallica like they could, like they could actually release something good um the Megadeth records coming out. Uh, you got I got the new Afghan Wigs record coming out. Um, the like Striper has a new one coming out. Uh, let me look at my list. Who else I know that I'm looking forward to that has stuff. Uh, Amana Marth has a new one coming out. Uh, Dropkick Murphys. I feel like that's really quick for them because their first one, their their last one came out early last year, and uh, to already be putting out another one. That's that's a quick turnaround, but it's coming out this year. Um, Robert Smith has said that uh, the new Cure album will be out before they go on tour in January. Man, he's been he's a uh, he's about to start turning into a, a Mike Ness. I mean, Mike Ness has been talking about a, a new Mike Ness is essentially writing Chinese democracy. Do you think you he's know? just? I mean, he's, do you think he's just artistically? He's just out of ideas. You know, I don't know. I don't know that it's out of ideas. So here's the thing. Somebody like Springsteen, uh, Ryan Adams, BJ Barham of American Aquarium, he's another one. It seems like they're just constantly putting out new music. Or And well, Springsteen hasn't been lately. But they put out so much material. They're just, I guess what I'm trying to say is they're so prolific. But just because a band makes amazing music doesn't mean that they're necessarily a prolific writer. 
I don't know if that's the case with Mike Ness. Another part of it, and I've heard this, I've read this, and I don't know if this is true. It's probably just somebody, you know, saying it and they have, there's no, it's not factually based at all. But I've heard that Mike Ness basically decides he'll put out a new record when he's ready to make, when he needs the money. And I find that hard to believe because nobody's really making money off album releases mm -hmm. now. It's touring. And Mike Ness doesn't make, need to make a new record to tour. That guy has one of those loyal fan bases that if he's still wanting to tour at 70, he will have, he will play packed out theaters across the country. I mean, that's never going to go away. I mean, whether it's social distortion or bad religion, those are just legendary punk bands. Like we were talking about with Ace, with Ace Von Johnson, bad religion and, and uh, social distortion. Those are, those are kind of like the, the stones at this point of punk rock and they're going to always have an audience. So I don't really buy that, that it's when he's ready to make money. Maybe he's just, Hey, I'll, I'll get to it when I feel like it. I don't know, but he, he, he doesn't, I don't think he writes as we're talking about. Could it be that he's not, maybe not a prolific writer. I don't think he's one of these like Springsteen that'll write 20, 25 songs and knock it down to 10 or 11. I think he pretty much writes his for the most part, his album and he's ready to go. I mean, but it's also only so much you can do with that kind of music. You know what I mean? I, I, I hear you, but he has progressed a lot. I mean, evol evolved, I guess you would say, musically, because he, I mean, when he started out, he was, it was pure, straight up punk. That's all there was to it. I mean, true, true punk music. And then he went into bringing a little bit of the rockabilly influences in it. And that last album, there was so much rockabilly Americana influenced in it and it just feels like an aging in a good way Mike Ness and so I no I think I mean he's only really made one record completely in that rockabilly Americana vein like that and so I yeah I mean he th their records don't sound the, I mean most of them don't really sound the same they're different and the last one especially was it's hard to believe that thing came out in I think 13 Maybe even earlier than that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's eleven. It's eleven or thirteen. Well, Chris, regardless of what kind of music you listen to, everybody goes through a Led Zeppelin phase. It's just part of being a music fan. You have to. It's required of you. Um, I remember, like, my dad bought Led Zeppelin four for me when I was in like junior high school, and that was kind of all I knew about them until uh, which one? Four. Okay. And uh, I. <laughs> I, it was kind of the same thing with the Rolling Stones. Like somebody had that Hot Rocks compilation, and mm -hmm. like I thought, if it wasn't on Hot Rocks, it was for the Stones. It wasn't any good for a long time. Well, the same thing kind of happened with Led Zeppelin and their box set for me that came out that four disc uh, box set that came out probably mid nineties, and that's when I started really becoming a big time Zeppelin fan. What about you? Well. You know, I, I first, before I get to the answer, I, to your point about everybody going through this, I remember um, years ago there was a Bob Mould, uh, Bob Mould, of course, Who's Do. There was a Bob Mould documentary, and uh, I think it was, I think HBO put it out. Really, really good, though. But um, he's talking on it, and somehow, I remember he says, like, I, yeah, I was when I was a kid, I went through my uh, obligatory Led Zeppelin phase, 
And at least everybody from Bob Mould's age down to our age, for sure, went through that. Now, now that we have Guns N' Roses and Nirvana and all these that are classic rock that make us feel incredibly old, I wonder does Led Zeppelin still have the same that same obligatory like must go through phase for for teenage boys? I don't know. I, I have a feeling it does. It's still there. It still exists. But for me, it's not too far from your story. Um, I remember my dad and I, this was a Saturday, went into uh, Pop Tunes, and I was just starting to learn to play guitar, and my dad was saying, you need to try to play this song, Stairway to Heaven, which, of course, that's Stairway to Heaven is the, uh, if you want to call it a ballad, it's the ballad version of uh, Smoke on the Water, songs that you just learned to play when you're starting guitar. And um, and so we go into Pop Tunes, and my dad bought a copy, bought me a copy of Four. And uh, I started revisiting, I started getting those albums, and then I, too, got the box set and loved it. And I went deep into it as well. I mean, I, I when I was learning guitar, all I wanted to play was was page riffs. And I was fortunate enough that, you know, I, I was, I was very blessed as a kid and my, I had a, a little cheap guitar and kept practicing, practicing. So for a birthday, my, my dad got me a, a Les Paul and, uh, I got the sunburst at, and I remember there was a blue Les Paul that I really liked. It's like, I gotta get the Jimmy page one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was everything for me from, like when I was when I was growing up, it was the hair bands, it was Zeppelin, Hendrix, and not much didn't go much further than that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I listened to them nonstop. And my best friend, I uh, we'd spend a night at each other's houses, and we were just uh, we'd keep those Zeppelin records going. There's so many so many good ones, and so uh, this is one of the harder topics I've had to do. We uh we decided we would talk about our top five Zeppelin songs. Originally, we were going to do like the five essential Zeppelin songs, but there was just going to be so much overlap in that it wasn't going to be interesting. So, Chris, hey, what- try your let, let's try that. I don't mean to cut you off. Try your uh your the the essential. Just try it off the top of your head right now. I want to see how close we would get. A whole lot of love, Stairway to Heaven, Cashmere. Um. Good times, bad times, and then what's the song off of uh, Into the Outdoor? All of my love. Okay, yeah, I uh, if I do the same, I'm I'm probably gonna go. I'm gonna go rock and roll, whole lot of love, Stairway to Heaven. I'll definitely throw in Cashmere, and I don't know, maybe Communication Breakdown. I don't know that that or Black Dog, but yeah, that, that's so we're we're there. You go, we're close. Yeah. So Chris, why don't you give me your first two favorite? We're not ranking these, but just two your first two favorite Zeppelin songs. Okay, I'm gonna do this. I'll go in chronological order. So um, I'm gonna go with the second record, and uh, I went with Ramble On, and uh, you know, mine. I only have one that I feel like is truly. Uh, a deep cut on this list, but they're not 
the, these are not the major hits. And this is, this is one of the bigger, more popular ones that I have. And I don't know. I just always loved that, that great acoustic intro that they're doing the, the little single laid back singing Robert Plant. Uh, and I just, uh, I think that's just an absolutely killer, killer chorus. And, uh, it's a, uh, it's a great way, you know, really to, uh, to start closing the album. You know, it's not quite, it's not quite the last track, but it's that right at the end, you know, that last half, you know, going with Ramble On, then Moby Dick, and then they just slow it down with a, a really cool, appropriate ending, uh, Bring It On Home. And I, I, I just, I do love, I love Led Zeppelin too, by the way. It's probably up there. It's definitely up there for me as far as favorite albums. But yeah, I love this track. And Ramble On is kind of a stark contrast to, just all the blue stuff that's on the first album. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of this, you think about a whole lot of love, uh, then, you know, thank you. I mean, there's nothing blues about that heartbreaker. That's a, that's a rocker. Uh, oh my God. That, that may be my favorite Jimmy Page solo, by the way, heartbreaker, uh, living, love and made. Yeah. They, I mean, these, this, this is a rock and roll record. Yeah. I love Ramalan. That's a good pick. Okay. What about you? Um, let's see. I'm going to have to go off Led Zeppelin three, the song Tangerine.
And I first heard this because it was on a Zeppelin tribute album called Enconium. And Big Head Todd and the Monsters covered it. And I was like, I've never heard that song. And so I get, you know, went and found it on Led Zeppelin 3. I love the kind of country tinge it has to it. Um, I love Zeppelin's mellow stuff. I know they're a big heavy rock band, but I absolutely love their mellow stuff. And this one definitely fits the bill. Matter of fact, if I honestly did my top five Zeppelin songs, most of them would probably be mid-tempo laid back things. But Tangerine just doesn't get a lot of, it seems like it doesn't get a lot of love. They played us. They played it when I saw Page and Plant in Memphis, and that was really cool to see. But uh, I love that little country tinge it has to it, and I love the vocals by Robert Plant. Yeah, and, and you know, I um, funny thing is, I I um, and this goes perfect for going in chronological order because I have this on my list too, and this may be the only one we do share. And when you're talking about covers. I didn't know you were going to go there, but as soon as you said cover, I hadn't thought about this. In, it's, it's weird. Just in that incident, I hadn't thought about this in, in years, but I remember seeing when I was in high school, seeing uh, Big Head Todd and the Monsters at a uh, Mud Island Amphitheater. And I remember they played Tangerine and, and they, they did a masterful cover of that song. They really did. But uh, yeah, it's a great song. And I, 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 let's just call this a ballad. And I think that, I think that Zeppelin, had amazing ballads uh tangerine thank you uh, there's a lot of them I, i've got another one on my list that would that would fall into uh the ballads but yeah great great ballad band and and yeah that a lot of great rock songs but the ballads uh going to california that's another great great tune i was looking through this i mean you, you could find a bunch of them but yeah I'm, I'm right there with you on that all right what's your next one so I'm going to go with, um, well, you know what, why don't you go? Because I went, I, that is my okay. second pick. Um, probably my favorite Zeppelin song, When the Levee Breaks. Obviously they ripped off uh, somebody to some extent from back in the 20s or 30s, a, a blues person. But that drum intro is possibly the greatest intro to any song I've ever heard. And you, you can go online and read about how they got that sound. You know, they they did it like in a hallway. They had it mic'd a certain way. And if you go see anybody play it, like if you go see Sammy Hagar's band play it, and Jason Bonham's the drummer, he doesn't even attempt it. That's a track. And then he comes in and plays on top of it. So I don't think that sound has ever been replicated. But one of the things that I like about the song, other than the drums, is just jimmy page the the way he is playing the slide and then he's got the the guitars dubbed in the background is my kind of blues like if you went and listened to like the song that this thing's based off of it's gonna sound nothing like it you know i i, I mean i know i'm from the mississippi delta and i'm supposed to just love you know all that delta blues but i kind of like it when the english boys get a hold of it and you know do stuff like clapton and keith richards and stuff but uh like i said possibly my favorite intro to any song and it's so noticeable uh, if you're a music fan you've heard that it's just such a cool deep sound that they got on those drums look i, I i'd argue if i could but uh it is a very unique sound and you know there are some i, I wish i could think of it and I, I'm, I'm not gonna be i'm not gonna even try because i can't think of it but it was pretty recent that there was some drummer that I believe 
I believe auditioned with that. And I like, that's when they knew they had the right drummer because he was the way he was playing, the way he was playing when the levee breaks. But no, I, I, that's a, that's a killer song. And, you know, I, I always, I, I'm like you four was the first one. So I have a fondness for all of those songs, you know, even, even like rock and roll. I mean, remember my dad, when we'd play that in the truck, my dad said, boy, that drummer must have fallen out when he got done with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and yeah, I mean, it, he, and, and when I was listening to some of these, these songs over the past week, because it, it has been a while since I've listened to Zepp, Led Zeppelin. It, it really has it. And, you know, it, there's, there's not a lot of drummers back in the day that really get talked about. Uh, it, it seems like it's, it's him. Keith Moon. And it's Keith Moon. Yeah. I mean, and, and Keith Moon more than anything was the showmanship and just being a nut. But, uh, and of course, Ginger Baker, but, um, another nut, but all the thing about Zeppelin too, is the musicianship. It's, it's not like some of these bands where, you know, uh, they have one really great player and the rest of the band is just mediocre or whatever. They were all like John Paul Jones doesn't get the love that he deserves. He's probably the great most, basis. he's probably the most talented player. Great basis. Cause he arranged everything and, you know, and did all the arrangements and the stuff in the latter years, you know, page and plant had pretty much checked out. Yeah. Great, great player. All right. Well, for me, I'll go with, uh, so this would be my third song and I said it was going chronological so um, I'm still on Led Zeppelin three. This is my second pick off that record. This is a, a, a more of a deep cut for me, but out on the tiles. Great team. Uh, I, I just always loved that song. Um, that, that chorus is what just really gets me. There's uh, there's nothing nothing in this song is is going to stand out to you when you start listening. Like, well, here's the here's the great plant or the great uh, page solo. Oh, but here's the great bottom drum beat or the the great john paul jones bass track none of that's there really it's, i mean it's it's fine but it's just something about this song that I've, I've always loved yeah you know that's that's a deep track but then if you think about it you hear it a lot more than than you would think um like on movies and stuff like that um interesting when you know they they page did that album with the black crows and we were doing a thing on State of America about that album. And so I reached out to Steve Gorman. I was like, hey, like, what was your favorite song to play? What was the most difficult song to play? And uh, anyway, he I think it was out on the tiles. He was telling me that he constantly was trying to slow the band down on it. And he was having to like be very, and like, I think he even said like Jimmy, he had to, you know, slow him down because people get so kind of amped up on it. But, um, you know, that's, the Led Zeppelin three to me is their most underrated album. Uh, you know, it's a little more mellow celebration day though. Kind of sticks out. It's more of a rocker, but you have thank not thank you. You have friends and tangerine and, uh, immigrant songs on there. It's a rocker, but I, I love Led Zeppelin three. Yeah, I do too. And you also have one that is just amazing. I love, love, love Jimmy, Jimmy pages playing on a uh, brawn, stomp. Yeah. That that's amazing. All right, let's see. My next one is going to be one that nobody had really heard, I guess, unless you were a big bootlegger back in the day. But it's off of the box set. It's Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? Uh, this and Traveling Riverside Blues. Traveling Riverside Blues came close to making my cut. But Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? I just love the melody during the verses. I think it's one of uh, Robert Plant's best melodies. I love the fact that they've got the mandolin playing. 
Um, uh, you know, this was something. That, how does this not make an album? You know, how do they, either one of those songs? Really? Yeah, because you're right. They're both amazing songs, and I, I'm with you. Uh, they should have made the album an, an album. Put them on any of them. I don't care. Uh, and it would have been perfect for something like three. Yeah, it absolutely would have. Um, it's just kind of a some of it's kind of tongue in cheek, you know, about his woman or whatever. And when I saw the Crows last summer, they were cl- closing with a cover song every night, and uh, they were closing with like rock and roll by Velvet Underground. And there were a couple I just wasn't that oh uh, wasn't that big of a fan of. And when I saw them, uh, Chris goes, Jimmy Page taught us how to play this one, and they go right into it. And one of the things that's that's kind of been the knock on Jimmy Page is those song those all of those songs have so many different guitars on them and he's obviously just one person and when you'd go see him live or play clips of him back in the day it seemed like he tried to play snippets of every different type of guitar and when he played with the crows he had two other guitars behind him and it was cool to hear those songs live played pretty much like they were recorded you know and he could just actually play and be the lead guitar player which was Really, really cool. But yeah, back to Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? It got a lot of radio play. It's, it's, so did uh, Traveling Riverside Blues. And you may laugh, but on that Enconium album, Hootie and the Blowfish does a cover of this, and it's really, really good. And Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? Could, uh, that that's, It doesn't, when you think about it, it doesn't really sound, and I know they didn't always stick to the same formula, of course. I mean, you get into get into to records like uh, Physical Graffiti. But uh, this almost has a... Uh, it's like something that maybe the band would have written. Yeah. You know, it, it, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great, that's a, that's a really, really good song. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many of them, but, uh, so my, my, uh, as I'm doing this, I mean, this is, it's funny. Uh, well, I'm not going to say it cause I'll give away my, I, I may give away my last bit, but I'm going to go into, uh, the next one I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, I'll pick, I'll save this other one for last. I'm going to go with Dire Maker.
and uh, almost more than any of them. You're mispronouncing David, is, it. Say it. Jamaica. Is that how they really say it? Mm-hmm. You yep. know the DJ's never said that, right? Right, right. But that's when when we're not on uh when we're not being recorded, I'll tell you the story behind the song. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, that's what they always called it. So it's not me just effing it up. I mean that that's uh, No, it's a common it's a common mistake. It's what I always heard. And um this one almost more than any takes me back to being in being a kid. Uh being seventh grade. And um you know that. Got to sound like I did when we were doing our gas our gaslight episode when we we're talking about um, about here's looking at you kid, but this takes me back to that time when uh, you may be crushing on on some girl and and this song just it fit that mood and it that silly schoolboy crush and all and and I I can still have memories of this song and uh, yeah it's, it's to me it's a it's a great rock and roll reggae ballad and. Uh, I remember as a kid trying to learn that uh, that that the guitar that's in that song, and it's uh, I mean the solo I remember was way easier than just trying to play that basic riff. I mean, just what he's doing there—it doesn't sound like anything complicated. But man, did I have a time with that, and I, I'm sure I would now too. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is just another one of those ones that just proves that they. Uh, they could really write a ballad because let's face it, no matter what you tell me that, that the, the, the origins of it or whatever, it just sounds like a great love song. Well, it, it's different tempo and it's when they started incorporating more of that world music approach. Um, obviously it's reggae tinge, but you know, they, they, after Pant went to Morocco in the seventies, you know, he started incorporating more of that world music, which he does now in a lot of his, you know, his new solo stuff. But yeah, just a feel-good, fun, lighthearted song. Interesting rhythms and beats that it has, which are a little bit different. But, uh, you know, a staple of uh, classic rock radio. Yeah, man, you're not kidding. All right, my next one is a rocker. Good times, bad times, off the first album. I love the doon 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 And then a little bit of like a cowbell or something comes in, and then the bass and the drum roll, and you get the guitar. Um, this is what they opened up their, um, that reunion show they did in 08. This is what they opened it up, opened up with, um, just a fun, um, easy straight ahead rocker. And then what's interesting is there's two songs on one that stick out to me. One of my other favorites of theirs is your time is going to come that organ intro, man, that's legendary. But the rest of that album is more like blues bass and good times, bad times, and your time is going to come aren't. But uh, this one is like one of those ones you just get up and and, and want to rock with. Uh, I love that cut. It almost made mine. You know that we were talking about this other night. Yeah, it almost made mine. But another great one too, though, on that, which is a little. It's based in blues, but still, to me, I look at it as a rock song. But how many more times? Yeah, that's that's another really good tune. I mean, this is a good record. I mean, the, they they did blues very very well. But good times, bad times. Yes, I love the way it opens, and you know it would be hard to beat. And we're not picking. Hey, what? We're not picking the songs like. Hey, let's rank the ones where Plant sounds the coolest when he first comes in. But that in the days of my youth, man, that may be one of the coolest sounding or opening lines of any Led Zeppelin song. The way he comes on, and that's the man. That's the first line of a Led Zeppelin album. 
I mean, that that's the line that started it all, and it, it may be the most powerful when it comes in, in my opinion. What's your next one? All right, I'm staying on Houses of the Holy. And Houses of the Holy, you know, you asked me what's my favorite Zeppelin album, and I had to think about it, and it's hard. I, I guess I could, you know, I'm, I sometimes I could tell you two. Sometimes I could tell you Presence, which I know is completely different, but... I got to go House of the Holy. And, and as you can tell with my list, I'm a, I like those, those later records, but I'm, I, I stick to the early Zeppelin stuff, you know, the first half and I go with over the hills and far away on this. Uh, love that intro, love the vocals while, you know, while uh, Paige is playing that acoustic. And then this is another one where he just sounds I love when Pant when Plant kicks in with when the, as the music kicks in, and this is uh this is another one one of those quintessential songs for me, um, and in some ways it may be an outlier for essential Led Zeppelin songs in my opinion. Oh, I don't think so at all. It's got an epic feel to it. Well, to- I said outlier, yeah, because I think it's it's not gonna make most people's top five but it needs to be in the conversation that's why what i mean by outlier it's got the the tempo change you know it's uh kind of an epic song which they were good at doing epic songs um yeah that's what is that's the first song of house of the holy or is it the second one uh no that's not the first let me god it's been so long like i said i've listened to these albums in their entirety i don't think that was the first one though um god i just had it up here because then Rain Song? No, the song remains the same, then Rain Song. Yeah. Oh, Rain Song, yeah. that's another great ballad. It's an amazing song. But I mean, there's 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 only one song I don't like on I don't really like that much on this album. And it's not horrible, but I Led Zeppelin would do this to you. Uh, they it seems like they'd like to put a stinker on the album. I'm not a fan of the crunch. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. But but other than that, the song remains the same. Rain Song, Over the Hills and Far Away, then you got the crunch. Dancing Days, great tune. Dire Maker, No Quarter. So that's a very cool song. A different, but very cool. And then, and then the ocean. There's a riff for you. Yeah, yeah. You got the John Bonham voice at the beginning. Well, you already you just mentioned my last song, No Quarter. Um, completely different for them. Uh, it's got kind of a spooky, eerie vibe to it. That uh, organ to me always kind of creeped me out a little bit, and then. I, when it when Paige comes in and starts playing, I love how the guitar sets on top of the organ, and this is probably their trippiest, most psychedelic song. Um, you know, it has to do with some of the, you know, some of that like, uh, oh, Chris, I'm I'm getting old. You know, uh, Lord of the Rings type stuff um, on there, but uh, mm-hmm. they played it actually on that one off they did in '08, so. Um, I've always thought they've done a great job with that, and um, I'm surprised more like jam bands don't cover it because it's got a lot of room there to, to to breathe. But that's probably my deepest cut. Oh, I guess hey hey, what can I do is a deep cut, but no quarter is my deepest one probably. Yeah, and I think no quarter is one of those like you were talking about mine without on the tiles. No quarter is one that's, I mean, yeah, it's deep, but. It's like one of those ones that a lot of people think is cool. Uh, has it? Didn't Guns cover that? GNR? I think they, I want to say they've covered it and Tool has covered it. Um, which it's, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a, 
but it's it's a very cool sounding song and you know it's one of those ones that as we've gotten older and we've evolved musically we've anybody that's listened to us any amount of time knows that i mean, I mean geez i was talking about it just at the beginning how we've evolved and we were talking about hair bands and just zeppelin that i listened to but um this was one that i didn't hate when i was uh, when i was a kid but it it probably got fast forward you know got fast forwarded a good bit it wasn't one that i wanted to listen to because uh, i wanted to hear i wanted to hear communication breakdown i want to hear immigrant song i, I wanted those rocking ones i saw the other day where somebody said they thought you could make a case that communication breakdown may have been the first ever punk song well the riff is one of the I one can of say the, that yeah one of the first ever punk songs the, um, the riff is it's definitely got that kind of sex pistols type vibe yeah well, that's my five. Is that all five of yours? That's all five of mine. Hey, I got to say before I can even go, and then we'll, we'll wrap this part up because I'm going to forget this if I don't. I've been, I'm only, I've only got the third episode to go. I still haven't I'm just getting into it, but I don't know if you've watched any of it, but on Hulu, you know that they have that Sex Pistols documentary, which John Lydon fought like hell, but uh, but because uh, Jonesy, he's the way it's based off his book, but I only watched two episodes and. Uh, it's good. And uh John Biden, aka Johnny Rotten, man, he was he was every bit of a the dick that you you've heard him to be. Yeah, I saw that I cause I just started I cut the cord and Mahulu guy now and I saw that up there and you're gonna hate me. I've actually got it queued up and probably gonna start it tonight. I'm gonna watch that Machine Gun Kelly documentary. I didn't even know it existed, but I I, I don't need to watch it to know I'll absolutely hate it. Look, you know, man, I, I, he get man. He, oh, go ahead. I can get into these music th- documentaries. Like, there's one out on Pink that I watched that was really good. I've heard that's good. I've heard that. But you know, the thing about about uh, Machine Gun Kelly is he's just one of these. I just look at him as like the quintessential poser. I mean, like more than anybody, he tried doing the rap thing. Then he decided he wanted to be some pop punk. And the thing is, like, people in punk hate that guy. I mean, hate him. They shit all over him. And uh, he he recently played a festival where I know he got booed like crazy. And uh, he tried talking smack about uh, about Corey Taylor and saying how he was going to have Corey Taylor on his record. But then he ended up just saying, no, I, I don't like the way it sounds. So, no, we're not going to put this on there. Well, Corey Taylor is like, all right, you're going to play me that way. And he shared the, he shared the tweet exchange where Corey Taylor said, I'm not feeling it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I mean, would you, why not think before you put that stuff out there that maybe somebody kept the text? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I'm glad all that wasn't around in my younger days. That's for but sure. anyway. All right, so up. so this was fun. Um, Led Zeppelin. I'm surprised it took us this long to do one, but uh, we knocked it out, and um, we need to do another album, Chris. Okay. I'm feeling I'm feeling the cure disintegration. What about you? I could do that. I think we talked about that would be one I might would do because um, I don't really do typically delve into the albums, but but I could I could probably do that. So hopefully that'll be uh, our next one. And uh, we're sorry for taking so long in between episodes, but uh, hopefully we're going to get back to doing them more regular. Take care, everybody.